Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's really, really haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, the podcast. Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's really, really haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, Hollywood's haunted, our hosts today are Tia Bean. That's that's her repeating herself. Jameson. Jameson. Hey now, everybody. Who's Carbon? Not in Connecticut. He's actually in LA, but, but not here. But not here. But on the phone. Here, but on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, or is he a cyborg? And that's why he sounds like that. See. I am a robot. <laughs> See, I, I, I am a Spanish robot. <laughs> that was that was awesome. Oh my god. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> For the great... bilingual robots out there. I mean, maybe that's what the future is going to be. You know. Okay. Um. And yourself. <laughs> yes. Patrick Bean is also. Oh yes, yeah, so that's right. And Patrick Bean, the third um, host producer, weird dude. So today's, yeah, dude, don't forget yourself. I, I, I often do. Today's <laughs> theme is uh, the appeal of spiritualism. Nice. Mm. Now I yeah. know what to title it. Now you this. know what to title it. The appeal of spiritualism, yeah. yeah. Write that down. Somebody put quotation marks on that. <laughs> no, straight up, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jameson, go ahead. Take it away. What do you got All for right. us? Well, last week you, you asked me to do a story about the Fox sisters, mm-hmm. and I had absolutely no idea who you were talking about, so. Yep. Uh, I was wondering <laughs> if it was with two X's, three X's. You I thought didn't it know. was a burlesque the Fox, Yeah, the Fox sisters that I know are completely different from the Fox sisters that you want me to talk about, so, Ooh. you know, I, I, I made sure I did the, the correct research, and I got, a, I got a pretty interesting story for you. God, I hope nice. this is correct. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... My references are going to be Pornhub. Uh, <laughs> you, oh, sorry. That's uh, wrong list. I'm sorry. Wrong list. Uh, the Separate Smithsonian, <laughs> uh, History.net, and, uh, of course, the, the always fabulous Wikipedia. Uh, always sexy. Wikipedia. You know there's a Murderpedia? <sighs> FYI, there's a Murderpedia. Mm. You guys. There's a it's Murderpedia? Murderpedia. Interesting. So, you know. Okay. Writing that down now, too. All right. Nice. All right. Well, uh, the the Fox sisters were also had another nickname, and that was the Rochester Rappers. You guys have heard that before? What? The Rochester Rappers. Now I'm I'm really concerned that this is straight out of Rochester, New York, yo. Right. Straight straight out. Oh, I get it. Like rapping, rapping on a table. Yes, now they are not the rappers oh. of the, uh, the the 19th and 20th century, or sorry, 20th century. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they were, they were that was a nickname that they came, they got for themselves with the Rochester Rappers. And uh, for those of you that don't understand what I'm talking about with rapping, I'm talking about rapping on a table, rapping on a door. Uh, it's it's oh, old school way right, of knocking yeah. or kind of making a, a loud noise. Nice. Um, so. You you said that this this uh, is titled uh, kind of all about spiritualism and whatnot, and the story I'm about to tell you is is kind of about who came about with the idea of spiritualism and brought that that kind of idea to uh, America. Cool. So the story starts in Hydesville, New York, and uh, those of you who live in New York have, that have never heard of Hydesville before, uh, Hydesville before is because it doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Um, but it has uh, kind of joined in with with other communities now, and uh, it 
it centers on two girls, but there's actually three sisters involved in the story. But it starts off with two two uh, younger girls. Uh, one is 15, and one is 11 and a half. Um, 15 year old is Maggie uh, Maggie Fox, also known as Margaret, but her mother is Margaret, so we will call her Maggie. Uh, and her younger sister Katie, and uh, they. Uh, live in a farmhouse out in New York, obviously, very uh, kind of small rural area. And uh, they get to talking to their neighbor, and they tell their neighbor that when it gets really late at night, they sometimes hear knocks on on the on the floor. And mm-hmm. they started talking to the knocks, and the knocks responded. And the the neighbor was very intrigued by this. Of course, she's kind of a little bit concerned, so she tells the mother about it, and the the mother gets involved and when the mother is listening to it, because the mother is already freaked out. She says that she's heard the sounds as well. And she feels that the place is haunted and her husband doesn't have any, want to have anything to do with it. He doesn't agree. He thinks it's, <laughs> you know, a clapper or, you know, something blowing in the wind. Damn husbands. Yeah. So, uh, always ruin so she all goes and she, she talks with the girls and she, she sits in the dark room with the girls and though, sure enough, the knocks start up. And so the, the little, uh, girl starts, uh, talking to the ghost and she, she, uh, she uh, she calls the ghost Mr. Splitfoot. Mm. All right, Mr. Splitfoot. And uh, that was a reference to the devil, I guess. Uh, but kind of a creepy name. I like that. I, was, I thought that was kind of cool, Mr. Yeah. Splitfoot. Uh, but she would say to the ghost, Mr. Splitfoot, do as I do. And she would snap her fingers, and, the, and Mr. Splitfoot would respond by rapping on the floor uh, very loudly, um, a kind of a response back to her. And so the mother was very freaked out by this. And so she just wanted to make sure that this was for real. So she starts her own line of questioning, um, asking a lot of personal questions and whatnot. And uh, of course, the ghost gives accurate answers. And so she's now she's really concerned. She asked the ghost, uh, am I able to come back with some neighbors to, for, you know, to, to see this performance by you or whatever? You know, and, and the, the ghost tells her yes. And Mr. Splitfoot say, says yes. And so that she goes over and she gets the neighbors and the neighbors come over and uh, and they, they watched this performance um, kind of happen. And the next night they do kind of a more show for the public, like outside, and they're showing how these, girl, these two girls are supposedly communicating. And so the townspeople come up with a code that they can answer questions with the alphabet by a certain amount of clicks, clicks and whatnot. And they start to uh, converse with a ghost who says that he – uh, was the ghost of a peddler who is now buried in the house of the two girls in the basement. Okay, so the townspeople wow. go and they try to excavate it, and um, they don't find much. But as right after as soon as they start digging, there's a big rainstorm and things flood in there, and so they have to stop. All right. Mm-hmm. So they start performing this. this well, not performing, but like they start. They start these. They, they keep, these shows keep going on. And so they start get a word of mouth and they start to make the newspapers and their older sister, whose name is Leah, uh, who lives in Rochester, uh, hears, reads about this and realizes that her family is, uh, performing or, d- d- involved with this magic, let's say, supposedly it's magic. Of course, some people are scared by this. Some people are intrigued by this. Um, so everybody has split decisions. Um, uh, Leah lives in. Uh, like I said, in Rochester, she moves back home to kind of be with the family to find out what's going on. All right. And when she moves in there, she realizes the talent that the girls are able to do. And 
to communicate with these spirits. In doing so, these girls become more and more famous, and there's a lot of skeptics out there that are trying to prove that this is not real, but they're not able to prove it. And so they're continuing to grow in popularity. They move, all three of them move out, and they move down to New York City. All right, this is about 1890 or so. Mm -hmm. Let me see here. Um, um, One of the investigators that was trying to, to... you know, to find out if this is true or not, this is really happening. His name was E. E. Lewis. Uh, he wrote, he writes a pamphlet, and it's a it's it's aptly titled, "quote A Report of the Mysterious Noises Heard in the House of John D. Fox in Hydesville, Arcadian, Wayne County." <laughs> that is the entire name of the pamphlet. That's hilarious. It's very on the nose. So I thought that was very funny. Um, so this is printed, and again, he, he comes back with, like, you know, we had the women disrobe. Uh, we had the, you know, to show that there's no, you know, uh, gadgetry or anything like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. this and that. And so uh, they're able to, he's basically just not able to prove that this is not necessarily false, that this, this could actually be true. Okay. Um, with the help of Leah and Maggie uh, and Maggie and Katie kind of combining and going down to New York. Um, they, they start to get these big time clientele. you know, they're, they're now they're, now they're making it rich. They're doing these seances and whatnot and these performances and, you know, people are for the most part really into this. Um, then they start to kind of split up, uh, two of the sisters, um, two sisters go off into the country. Uh, Leah stays behind. She stays in New York. Uh, Kate and Maggie go off, and they're performing across the country. Um, Maggie, who is the youngest one, she, I'm sorry, she's the 15-year-old. She was the 15-year-old, so she's the middle sister. Uh, Maggie meets a guy named um, Elisha, which I thought was weird. Elisha Kent Kane. Hmm. And um, in about 1856 or so, there's not an exact date, but in about 1856 or so, they they get married and he is all about her saying that like you know this isn't true you really need to give this stuff up you need to convert to catholicism and you need to get things right damn you know husbands I mean? right <laughs> and convert she, to she she's kind of with it she's kind of not with it and he dies soon after that soon after they get married so she actually ends up keeping her promise and uh, basically denouncing spiritualism. Uh, Kate, she marries a guy who's really into spiritualism. Um, nice. She learns new tricks. She can do communicating, like she can communicate um, two messages at the same time uh, with with a rapping. Okay. So she can, um, yeah. So she can do two different vo- two different ghosts at the same time. She can write backwards. Whoa. Um, to make it look like she's possessed, you know, or, you know, she's basically she can do that, and then she, um, she can make words appear on blank pieces of paper. Wow! So she she's got a whole bunch of tricks up her sleeve or new new things that she's learned to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then um, Maggie, uh, Leah, basically they don't. She, they, she's basically um, calling out Kate and Maggie, the oldest sister. Uh, for saying they all start drinking heavily. The, the the two younger sisters start drinking heavily, and uh, 
because they're in the public so much, uh, the oldest sister kind of calls them out and the two younger sisters are, are kind of ticked off at her about that. They're not happy. Um, something that I kind of didn't really go into is when, when, uh, Leah came back, by the way, her name is Leah Fox fish, which I thought that was funny that she hmm. had two animal uh, names. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but when Leah Fox fish, who is 33 years old, but <laughs> when, when the other kids are 15 and 11, so she's a good, you know, uh, what, 18 years older than they are, you know? Oh yeah. So there's a big space, but they said that they're, they're all sisters. So I'm assuming that it wasn't like from a different marriage or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but when she when she um, when she came back to uh, to pick up the basically to pick up the sisters and be with them until they moved back to uh, uh, Rochester, <laughs> religion was kind of like. A chain, it was like a changing thing in the United States at the time. This is the mid 1800s, and so they were talking a lot about how like technology and things were progressing at a really rapid rate. And I think that people were really full of full of themselves and just proud of how quickly we had become a country. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people were open to to more uh, to, um, to other ideas, let's say than just, you know, strict Quakerism or Catholicism or whatever, you know, Christianity. Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, with her kind of, a book had come out uh, in the early 1800s kind of prophesizing that someday soon ghosts were going to communicate with people. And when her, when she read that her sisters were, were, you know, were talking with the dead, she was like, oh my God, this is prophecy happening. It's my sister's. So she really jumped on that, and a lot of people knew about this book. And so the idea of everyone buying into the fact that these girls could do this was was a, a big reason for these girls gaining such popularity. You know, mm-hmm. um, they're saying, but like like in the early eighteen hundreds, like like in eighteen fifty six, there was about a million, and by eighteen ninety, there was like eight million people that were really into this. Wow. Yeah. You know, so obviously it caught on really quickly. Um, you also have to remember that. This is when the Civil War is going on, so more people, you know, people were dying at high rates. Oh, uh, they were saying a I'm third of the babies that, that were story. born in the city died. What was that? I'm mentioning that in my story. Oh, um, are you? But no, okay. it's important. Yeah, like uh, people were dying uh, yeah. in the Civil War, and like they, well, I'll just say what I was gonna say. Uh, like they don't have what was called the good death, which is when you die at home amongst your friends and family they're dying out in areas where they don't even get the body some of the time right yeah i mean so, they probably just threw so, in a hole and they were like that sucks <laughs> yeah and that leads nice to people know you. believe that and they didn't get a proper burial so yeah probably or there's wandering. no closure yeah. you know like did they ha- did they die peacefully you know did they die with pain that's probably All why that. they're wandering yeah. the earth still. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but no, yeah. no, 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 absolutely. Yeah. No, so yeah, I mean, obviously, there's these. All these people are dying, and so people want to believe in the fact that hey, it is possible for me to talk to my uncle who was killed in the war or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so people were on board with this, and these these three sisters were were obviously able to talk with these spirits, and nobody was able to prove otherwise that this was BS. So, uh, do, do, do we do we um, 
credit these sisters, the Fox sisters, with coming up with the idea of spiritualism or or even creating it, like like basically starting a whole movement in this little farmhouse in the middle of, you know, uh, doesn't even exist New York, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it brings me back to the beginning of the story. And that is is that at the end of the story, Maggie comes out and she talks about how she can't live with this lie anymore and that this is all a farce. So let's go back to the beginning. You got two sisters that are talking to their neighbor and a few days before they're talking with their neighbor, they, they start to kind of learn. First, what they do is they tie an apple to a string and they're dropping the apple at the foot of the bed and it's making odd noises, especially on the rebound. Mm-hmm. So they learn that they can manipulate the string and blah, blah, blah. And that only lasts for like maybe a day. And then one of them learns that she can kind of pop her toes. Let's say cracking a knuckle, but using your feet or your toes or joints to pop and make really loud noises with those joints. And Mm. the two little girls spent all night practicing, which freaked their mom out from her hearing the the sounds, Mm -hmm. which was what I was talking about when the dad, when the dad was like, those aren't real, you know, it's just whatever. Hmm. So now the little girls are playing this joke on their mom and so they're like, we can talk to so-and-so. And so they, they're snapping their toes or whatever, popping their joints, however you want to say it yeah. and mimicking like they're talking to a ghost. So now they go and they get their neighbor involved and they play, they play the joke on the neighbor and the mom and when the neighbor leaves to go tell the other neighbors, the, the mom, the mom, like, what do you, you know, like, what do you think about this? And the, the little girl says, mom, it's March 31st. It's the day before April fool's day. Maybe somebody's playing a joke on us. Hmm. Okay. Cause this, all this went down on March 31st, 1848. Okay. And because of that, now the neighbors are involved and now the mom is really freaked out and the girls are starting to wonder, oh shit, have we, can, have we backed ourselves into a corner with this joke mm-hmm. and now we can't turn back. <laughs> and that's basically what she says that Maggie says is that we, we started this off as a joke and it grew way out of hand way too quick and we couldn't backpedal from this because we're, you know, we're in over our heads. We're 11, we're 15. We, you know, everyone thinks we're, you know, we're gods and we're witches, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. But they were like and, earning money from it too, weren't they? Like... Right. And so when Leah comes down, Leah tells him, you got to tell me how, what you got, how you guys do this. And they tell her we're, this is bullshit. We're, we're faking it. Yeah. And so Leah's like, okay, shut up. And now we're going to, we're going to use this because everyone believes that you can do this. And so basically her older sister starts pawning them out and being like, look what my sisters can do. And now the girls have to go along with it because like you said, they're making money and they're supporting the family and, you know, and that's basically the case of the whole story is that, you know, every time that they try to back out, they're like, you can't, we're going to, the family's not going to have any income. This is how we're making our money. And so basically it's, it's a show and they're able to, to, they're able to manipulate their, their body in ways that it can echo through a hallway. But of course, when you go to look to see if they have any apparatus tied to them, they don't. And so everyone believes yeah. it. Who could ever who could ever make that kind of noise with their toes? It's impossible. It's not impossible. They just got to practice. Yeah. Right? So she comes out. Uh, October 21st, 1888, she comes out. 
and by this point, like I said, this is the, the, the late eighteen eighty late 80, late eighteen eighties. There's about mm-hmm. eight million believers. Okay, so she starts. Like I said, she starts drinking. She gets drunk. Uh, she goes and on October twenty first, eighteen eighty eight, she tells. Uh, uh, sorry, New York World Ma- newspaper or magazine. I'm not sure if it was newspaper or one magazine. Uh, s- pays her uh, one thousand five hundred dollars to uh, to denounce uh, spiritualism to, sh- to, sh- to tell out to tell the world I made this up, right? So she does. She comes out. She tells everything, and she gets kind of mixed criticism. You know, a lot of people are upset. A lot of people don't believe her. She's she's banished from the spiritualism, you know, circle. Um, and so for uh, she and she does this again to kind of get rid of her own guilt and also to kind of spite Leah because again, like I said, Leah was calling her out in the public, mm-hmm. so her and her sisters were a little bit ticked off. Anyhow, she basically for a year or so, everyone hates her, and she's realizing that there's no money to be made in this and stuff. So she so she tries to go back on her on her. Uh, on her story and says, okay, I, I didn't really mean that. Uh, I'd like to recant my statements. And I, I, the only reason I said that was because oh my, my spirit guides uh, told me to lie. Oh, <laughs> oh God. So, oh, no. so of course, no, you know, it backfired and, and you know, it, it, it just, it, it, it didn't work at all. Nobody liked her. Everyone shunned her. And she basically uh, died uh, broken, penniless and drunk, you know, Damn. um, all three of them actually died within about two years of each other. Uh, Leah dies in 1890. Kate dies in ni- 1892 from a drinking spree. Maggie dies in 1893. Oh my God. Um, so it, it basically ends very quickly and very tragically for the family pretty much after the whole spilling of the beans in, in 1888. Wow. Mm. Um, you know, within five years, they're all dead. Um, so, Funny enough, you go to 1904. Kids are playing around the uh, the house that she used to that they all used to live in. They call it like the spook house or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. And some kids are digging around, and they did they dig into the wall where supposedly the uh, the pauper has been buried, and they find some bones and some, and some stuff in there. So they they come down and they excavate it, and they find like a little tin box and then some bones. But when they do the research and stuff, they find that the bones don't match up. They're not the same bones. There's too many of one kind of bone and not enough of another. And then they found some chicken bones mixed in it. So it looked like they tried to kind of maybe, you know, plant some stuff in there to be like, see, there was somebody buried down here. So, <laughs> you know, it, it really basically what started off as a small joke turned into a huge joke, turned into a religion, turned into 8 million people completely believing that there's such thing as spirits and mediums and, and all this stuff. And it's totally true. And, to this very day, it still exists, and it's all due to a 15 and 11 and a half year old girl. Yeah, that's the trip. So, yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, obviously, a, a very intricate, played you know joke, and to this day, again, still lasting. But does that mean it, it, people still don't want to believe in it, even if they do have these facts? I don't know, man. You know, you've you've heard me talk about my friend who does it, and it's like, <laughs> am I one of those suckers? <laughs> man, well, I mean, yeah. I've listened to that, and that yeah, that that stuff sounds. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, it's like that kid doctor who opened up his, the Malachi whatever, 
we'll have to do that story at some point. But this kid, uh, pre- he went and pretended to be this doctor and opened up a practice and he's like 17 years old and he's just like playing at it, you know. But then there are also real doctors, you know. So like maybe, you know, there are people who can communicate with the dead and then there are these people who are taking advantage at the same time, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, who knows? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I will say that in the defense of the person that I've done it with, and again, that's also, she's not a medium. She's a channeler. So there are, uh, that is a different thing. Um, yeah. when, the person that I, that I have done these situations with both times, I, I'm friends with her. So she, it's not like she's charging me or she's ripping me off in any way. There's nothing, there's no, there's no gain for her to do what she does with me. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, whereas this one is definitely the, you know, Spirit, are you there? Click, click, click. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Say yeah. twice for yes if it's the set, the combination to the save. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's two clicks. That is correct. <laughs> so you know that's a little bit more uh, uh, far fetched, let's say, or you know, unbelievable, less a little less believable. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. uh, there you go, the Fox Sisters. Yeah, that was good. With, that with was one good. X. I don't. I don't, I don't want to follow that. So yeah. that's our yeah. episode. That's for our the episode. Day. But um, <laughs> but before, before we get into that, can you pass me one of those wine bottles over there? Uh, yeah. there I know I know. said I'm not a heavy drinker, um, but there's a wine bottle in my room, and no one is drinking out of it. So there you go. Well, I'm having a <laughs> beer, so I'm cheers. In, I'm cheers into the Fox Sisters who started a whole goddamn religion and didn't even know it. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well. I'm gonna go next. I'm gonna talk to you guys. Uh, this uh, these definitely all tie in. Oh yeah, you know, really, really, you'll, really. Mine well. definitely ties in. Like some of the um, things you'll see. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, I, yeah <laughs> the, appe- the appeal of spiritualism is definitely real in this episode. Um, I mean, very, very aptly named. I, I enjoyed that. Where is my Ouija board? Um, I don't know. We were just playing with it the other day. Mm-hmm. It glows in the dark. Tia, how much of that? How much of the Fox Sisters did you know about? Um, like a I uh, a good chunk, but like not like not all of that. You know, I didn't okay. know about the apple and the bed. Um, I knew about popping the toes and everything, okay. but okay, um, not a. I mean, I was <coughs> aware of them, but it was because I had watched uh ask a mortician she kind of was talking about the appeal of spiritualism and she mentioned them very briefly so yeah sure yeah like i was aware but like that i didn't know all of that details you know yeah yeah uh, they definitely popped up everywhere as soon as these girls came out everyone all of a sudden everybody was a medium <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah and like yeah. that's like houdini uh, was debunking mediums like at the same time the Fox sisters were operating and I think that really like he that really like pissed him off you know was seeing yeah. this this uh, wave of spiritualism this fad you know going around absolutely and like it's coming back honestly like everybody I know every uh, ba- every basic bitch is now some basic witch. <laughs> honestly like all the cool kids are doing it yeah everybody's a pagan everybody's doing wicca and (laughs) witchcraft and it's like and part of it is cool it's like yeah go you know experience different things yeah like if you're into it you're into it like i'm not one to tell somebody not to be goth or dress goth because that's definitely like how i dress sometimes you know when i'm in the mood 
but you know there is something a little like cringe about it too where it's like it is just popular you know right now sure so but I'm, but no judgment you know if you want to pop your toes under a table and tell everyone you're speaking to the dead you know that's Mr. Spitfoot <laughs> Oh. So I'm going to name my kid, my next kid, Mr. Splitfoot. Oh my gosh. Oh God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry to your wife who already obviously thinks we're crazy, but right. yeah. Oh God. Well, at least I didn't name my kid Lucifer. Like some people I know. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not you guys. I was talking about Anton LaVey. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Well, take it away, Patrick. I'm interested to hear what you uh, uh got All to. right. So, yeah, this is definitely, definitely going to tie in. I'm going to talk to you guys about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, Who's that? Are you, are you guys familiar? Have you read, I am. Re- read any? Uh, Elementary, my dear. Indeed. Oh, yeah, indeed. but may- maybe uh, our yes. audience isn't. No, you know? they, they're going to have to go look it up. Sorry. Pause right Pause now. Pause this. Pause right now and go look Because you're probably listening uh, to it on your phone. Um, go to Google. <laughs> Ask so Echo. if if you haven't yeah if you haven't heard of Sherlock Holmes I guess would be his his biggest uh, claim to fame uh, that is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle who wrote all of those uh, well not all of them I mean he wrote fifty six uh, short stories wow that total. many oh short stories too um, That's yeah right. they were because it was basically like a magazine when it first started out. Um, but yeah, he was, uh, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Um, he was also really big into spiritualism. Um, so let's just get into it. He was, uh, born in, uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, and that was May 22nd, 1859. He was actually born into a very strong Catholic family, which was, um, a little bit surprising because I've read a lot of his stuff and he's, you know. That's like always a thing, like freaking like Aleister Crowley and his strong religious family you know oh, ever, yeah. you know and you <laughs> right yeah they always go to the opposite end you know my family ironically was not we were religious but we weren't like I don't know but mm-hmm. I was also watching you know uh, ancient aliens and you know America's most haunted whatever with my dad growing up so you know mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, his uh, yeah born to a Catholic family. Uh, he was uh, immediately a writer. He was first published as a teenager in a, uh, the Edinburgh Journal. He um, then he went off to Storyhurst College from 1868 to 1870. But he hated it. He hated all this. He thought everything was uh, rudimentary. Like you know, like it was all. <laughs> Uh, right, exactly. Yeah, it was. That sounds it, so Sir Arthur right, couldn't yeah. do it. It's rudimentary. <laughs> rudimentary <my deal>. yeah. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, like he hated. Uh, he was studying Euclidean geometry and algebra and rhetoric and all these other courses, but he just thought it was. He thought he's. He actually said it was uh, harsh um, to not have compassion. You know, in in schooling, he thought it was just like using corporal punishment. Uh, he then, uh, because he didn't like doing that, you know, he didn't like, you know, focusing on just subjects, you know. Um, so 1875, he went to a Jesuit school in Austria, and this was just to kind of broaden his horizons. And after that, he rejected Catholicism. 
Sure, why not? I know, right? <laughs> um, and then he became agnostic. Um, if you guys don't know, that's like God is unknown or un- unknowable. It's, it's like um, believing in God, but not a set religion and not necessarily. It's, it's like it's like believing in that you don't know. Kind of, you know, but, which eh, exactly eh. it's like it's like <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Eh. Um, he then he proclaims himself from this point a spiritual mystic. Um, he publishes his his first publishing uh, from this point was it was called actually Gelsium as a poison. Uh, if you don't know gels or sorry gelsemium, I think is how it's actually pronounced. Um, but uh, this was just a. Uh, scientific description uh of uh a asian flowering plant and it was just how you could how you could actually turn this plant into a poison and because he wrote this um uh because he wrote this article way back in the day this actually solved a murder that actually happened a couple of years ago um like years ago from today today oh yeah. crazy yeah wow that's pretty cool yeah it was a russian supergrass. uh that term is like a uh it's like an informant basically uh this russian informant was uh poisoned after supplying evidence against an alleged crime syndicate in uh, russia and they thought like he would, you know, he just died of natural causes. But they actually found out that it was po- poisoned the uh, gelsium. It, it was actually used. That's so weird because Russians never poisoned anybody. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Like. Oh my God. So, he was um. Uh, this at this point he he um started a lot of he started kind of in his uh spiritualistic study. He was starting to get into that, and in college, people called him the Saint Paul of spiritualism. I couldn't find the root of that definition. Why they called him that? Saint Saint Paul, Paul? right? Yeah, Saint Paul was a saint, but listeners, if you know who Saint Paul is, please send us an email and clear this up in the comments. Could you just say something? (laughs) Um, So, so he started starts getting into spiritualism, and he he's studying. um, uh, I'm sorry. Dun, 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 dun. Um, he's he uh, starts getting into spiritualism, but he's also at this point uh, building uh, Sherlock Holmes, and this is like in his mind he's building it. Um, oh, it this... wasn't a super robot, that he was right? Going yeah, to... exactly. This. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so, so um, where was it? Oh yeah. So yeah, he's like building Sherlock Holmes in his mind while studying spiritualism. And at this point he's actually studied to be several different things. He's a super, super intelligent person. He's, uh, actually studied, uh, to be a doctor and that's kind of where Sherlock Holmes was born. Um, because at that time, most mystery novels, um, they, didn't really work like mystery novels of today they kind of most of the characters happen to figure it out by chance like an mm-hmm. accident would happen and they'd be like oh what is this and you know they would just solve the thing in the end and it wasn't really like you know nothing was really there, deducted there's no dr house you know what i mean know, yeah who exactly is very similar Spoiler to alert oh uh, sorry joking. <laughs> no you're fine um but no totally dr house was definitely 
definitely based on yeah. <laughs> um, his version of Sherlock, or the original Sherlock Holmes, basically. Um, because while he was studying to be a doctor, one of his professors, uh, Professor Bell, um, was basically House, if you've seen House. Um, he was extremely quick with his deductive work. He could diagnose the disease before a person could speak, or at least that's what he said. Um, and all of this information that I'm giving you, uh, or at least since I started talking to you about Sherlock Holmes, um, was actually from an interview uh, that was conducted uh, with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I actually watched this, and this was in 1927. Um, so this wow. was, yeah, it was really cool to be able to watch him actually speak about it. I think he just recorded it himself, to be honest. Like, he walks in with a dog, and he's like, Oh, I, you know, people ask me questions, and I have to answer them, and you guys want to know about Sherlock Holmes? And he talked much better than that. Oh, God, I gotta stop doing it. That was a pretty good impression, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Right? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Sherlock Holmes so... sounds like, or Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, but that right, was, yeah, that yeah, was that spot, spot on. on definitely. <laughs> He's Scottish, wasn't he? He's born in Scotland. Oh, that's right, Edinburgh. Yeah. That's how he sounded. It was a little bit like this. All right. He also he also was dying. Of <laughs> I'm sure he had an ascot on really tight. Yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. So 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 yeah. Like I said, he was he based um, the character of Sherlock Holmes around this professor because of the way he uh, deducted like the so that and that's what he thought that. Um, the mystery novels should be like they should figure out figure these things out using scientific methods um, but you know like deduction you know or, or you being able to actually detect things so he decided he would create he created hundreds of uh, he called them dodges and then he created a hundred uh, catches and then he would basically take those two things and build it up between the story and that's how he would write his stories was just by connecting uh. these problems with solutions type of thing you know but he would come up with hundreds of them wow um so he would make them month after month uh in in the a magazine that he was able actually to print uh able to print but it didn't really sell very well for uh, like three years um but he just kept uh publishing them you know hoping you know it would happen i mean mostly he was just trying to pay the bills he, what was the magazine called or was it just the no sherlock, that no it was the sherlock, sherlock holmes, holmes yeah oh, okay um and so he, after after a few years, because he's still publishing it, out of nowhere it blows up, and every mm-hmm. everybody's wanting him. And he's been publishing the same one. Uh, I uh, I think it was sorry, da, 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 da. a study in Scarlet is what it was uh, called. That was the first Sherlock Holmes. That was the first one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so he's been and printing for three that, years. So. He's been publishing the same. Um, the same. Episode. I think it's like the same three. There was like a few in in that series because oh. most of these were series. Got um, it. And so he he actually wrote uh, more than intended only because friends and family always wanted more. <laughs> um, cool. He would get letters asking for Sherlock Holmes autograph because people thought Sherlock Holmes was real. <laughs> Because he, because he was so realistic with describing this character because obviously he based it on a real person yeah and also mystery novels at that time were not smart you know like he yeah he created what mystery novels are today yeah you know basically actually i learned a new a term the other day my 
uh, friend who has a great YouTube channel, shout out Richard Lale, uh, described what a Penny Dreadful was. So like where Sherlock Holmes might have been appealing to more of a highbrow person, the Penny Dreadfuls were these magazines that were like horror stories for the kind of like the groundling yeah, type funny. peasants, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and also like the story of Sweeney Todd came out of a Penny Dreadful type magazine, like oh, the same as Sherlock Holmes. Um, but yeah, anyways, fun well, fact. No, <laughs> so, like, you mean like, so Penny Dreadful was like kind of like pulp, pulp fiction like type things? I, I guess like, so, yeah. 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 Oh, okay, that's cool. That is interesting. Um, so yeah, people thought Sherlock Holmes was real. Like they asked for his autograph. Even the letter was addressed to Sherlock Holmes. Sometimes it was addressed to Watson to see if they could get it to him that way. At, the, at Baker Street where he's supposed <laughs> right, to live. Yeah, That's that, funny. But no, I mean, they would send it to him because, you know, he had the address on the pamphlet or the magazine or whatever, you know, like this was so long ago. Um, someone also claimed to be Sherlock Holmes' housekeeper. And she did like an interview about it. Uh, mm. Someone also claimed that they know Sherlock Holmes and that now he's actually a beekeeper. Mm. Um, <laughs> he's skipped on his deduction and gone to making honey. Um, so this was an, in- an interesting quote I thought of. Uh, I saw and I had to put it in. In uh, November 1891, he wrote to his mother and he said, I think of slaying Holmes and winding him up for good. He takes my mind off of better things. And his mother replied saying, you won't, you can't, you mustn't. And he, you know, obviously, I mean, his own mom's like, no, you got to keep writing, you know. So he didn't want to, but he did. And one of his ways was trying to, <clears throat> to a way to not write him was he tried to, he raised his price like outrageously, mm-hmm. but publishers still paid it. And so he became one of the best paid authors of his time <laughs> only because he didn't want to do it. That's funny. <laughs> Ain't that the thing? Isn't that, you know? isn't that so yeah. funny? Yeah. Uh, like uh, Ed Gwen, who was, Herman Munster was like under so much like pain and torture from being in like his costume that he was like, you have to pay me a million dollars for me to do another season. And then they paid him a million dollars. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah. Something I want to say a million, but it was like, you know, it was a a lot of money. He just threw it up there just to see if it would stick. And they were like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. That's also, awesome. had, to, he, had to drop in my favorite childhood show just I know, there. Right? I know he hated that character. He hated it. He hated <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. That's Which is so funny. sad because, like, the monsters remind me so much of, like, my family. Um, which maybe explains a lot about me. Mm-hmm. But not that, like, my family's not gothic. It's just, like, the whole, like, being supportive of being weird and, like... Anyways. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. Seek out of the scary movie tropes and everything is there. What? Like you take everything that's a scary movie out of it, and that's kind of basically what what the family was like. Yeah, it was very sweet. Because <laughs> they're a basic family. It's just they're all character tropes, tropes, right? Yeah. So you got yeah. your Dracula, you got your Frankenstein. It's like. And I'm so. definitely Eddie Monster. <laughs> you were the Eddie Monster. Mm-hmm. You were. <laughs> I'm I'm the little awesome. weird little kid. Yeah. <laughs> you do have that crazy widow's peak like he had, so that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding out there. Just kidding out there. Um. So in uh, December 1893, 
Holmes and Professor Moriarty plunge to their deaths in the novel The Final Problem. They fall <gasps> down the Reichenbach Falls. Yeah, he kills off uh, uh, an amazing, you know, the one of the main characters. Um, there's a public outcry. People are like, <laughs> like ready to riot. Apparently, yeah. Um, so he decides he's going to feature Holmes in the Hound of the Baskervilles, uh, which was cool because uh, I realized that that was probably one of the first books I ever read. Yeah, was the Hound of the yeah. I've seen that. The... Definitely really love that one. I've seen the oh god. Oh, man, what is the guy who plays Sherlock Holmes in the movie in that? Robert Downey Jr.? No, what? he's good. No. Um, in, in, oh, in the, the the British version? The British version. Oh, God, one. why is it escaping You're not talking about Gillette, are you? No. 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 Okay. Uh, he, he was the Basil, first person to play. Basil Rathbone. Oh, Rathbone? Yeah, I want to say. All right, so yeah, that was pretty much the end of Sherlock Holmes at that point. Uh, he wrote 56, I don't know if I said, I think I said 55 in the beginning, 56 short stories of Sherlock Holmes and four novels. Uh, at the time, he also was a playwright. He, uh, his famous one, most famous was called Waterloo. Uh, he didn't hmm. write too many plays, but he did write several. Um, uh, he was also the creator of Lost World. Uh, the Lost World, that was his... Uh, Creation. Whoa, he wrote Jurassic Park? Yes, yes. No, just the second one. Oh, just the sequel. No, just yeah. the, he wrote that specifically. <laughs> That's in, I remember. He wrote the so crappy sequel. They would have been to the place I remember the title credits of Lost World from yeah, the TV show yeah. when I was a kid, and it was like based in on the, the books by. No, oh, wait, that's Land of the Lost. Oh, Sorry. yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. Uh, but that's interesting. My mom used to read me stuff like Lost World and um Yeah, he wrote a, a few Time different Machine. other ones. Time Machines the that's not That's not him, but yeah. she read I know for a fact she read me Time Machine no, when we were awesome. a kid. Yeah. Um but yeah, he Lost World though he created a character called <laughs> Professor Challenger, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was good at names for Sherlock Holmes, I guess, but <laughs> No, nothing's that too nothing's too difficult for, for Professor Challenger. <laughs> no, sure, no, good. We'll go with no that. offense, no offense. Um, so, like I said, uh, he was um, uh, still that you know he was still into spiritualism at the time. He really did quite quite a few different things, as as you'll see by the end of this. Um, and he never wavered on his spiritual belief, uh, which is important. Because he he approached it as a doctor, and not because he was a doctor or studied as a doctor, but he he wanted to pro- approach it like with a scientific method, mm-hmm. and because of that, this made him an amazing spokesperson or spokesperson for spiritualism, um, because of his belief, and he actually did several writings on the matter as well, um, and because he had this amazing scientific background, you know, people are like, oh well. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle believes it. It must be true, you know? Yeah. Um, so he um, joins the Society for Psychical Research, and he participates in several different sets of experiments in telepathy with a Mrs. Ball. Um, when did you say the Fox sisters did their first session? Uh, on March 31st, 1848. 48, cool, nice. 
So this was like 40 years after that. What year is this? Uh, this is 1885. And he studies with her. Studies. So does this is these... like right at the end of the Fox sisters. Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he studies with uh, Mrs. Ball um, for three years. And he feels this is grounds for the possibility of a true psychic uh, experience. And unfortunately, um, it's pretty obvious that um, he, he, he might, might have been duped, you mm. know. He might have been duped multiple times, as you'll see. Um, he, in Light Magazine, he was actually on record as reading and studying spirituality, and that was um, um, 41 years before, so he was... He, he believed in this for a long time. And the reason he was getting into this, because he actually said he wasn't interested in li writing literature anymore. So he <laughs> thought that this was kind of a, you know, not a waste of time, but, you know. Um, he believed that there were many real great mediums and psychics, etc. cetera. Uh, but he didn't feel he was, you know, a person that could channel or anything like that. Uh, he, he labeled himself as a gramophone of the subject, and he would go about to meet people face-to-face -face, uh, to try and make them understand that this thing is not a foolish thing, but it really is a great philosophy and the basis of, a, of all religious improvement in the future of the human race. Wow. Yeah, which is definitely a, a lot to say. And he's a very super smart guy, and it's it's kind of unfortunate like he's extremely smart you know and that he 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 has a lot of respect from his peers because of that um so he um at this after that he uh meets uh uh harry houdini um i'm sorry no let let we'll get to that later sorry um he becomes a member of several different secret orders um, one of the orders he actually creates, he is the founding member, and that is called the Ghost Club. Oh my god, I totally just made up the word, made up Ghost Club when I said... Did you really? Yeah. Shut the fuck I up. I didn't even no know, way. I was like... Like, they literally called it the Ghost Club. That's hilarious. I was hilarious. just like, oh Sir god. Arthur Conan Doyle and his Ghost Club. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, they called it the Ghost Club. That's so funny. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, That's that funny. was in 1862. This was, uh, yeah, like a few years before this was, uh, yeah. so he had, you know, definitely been interested in this, uh, like I said before, um, the few of the other members of the ghost club, uh, were Charles Dickens, uh, W.B. Yeats. Uh, basically he wanted, he, it, it contained writers, uh, clerics, academics, politicians, scientists, doctors, uh, they wanted to kind of have, you know, uh, a way of, you know, a, a, an intelligent basis to, to have this in, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't just like, no offense to the, any ghost hunter shows, but <laughs> a lot of the times you're, you know, listening to people that really don't know what they're talking about, you well, know, these are well-educated people in many fields, in, in many fields. Yeah, exactly. Approaching this. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, the, the, yeah, the idea was to use the combined intelligence to prove or debunk uh, otherworldly claims. Uh, the Davenport brothers 
was their first one they in, uh, investigated. Uh, the Davenport brothers were reported to be able to contact the dead and speak with them. Uh, they could not. They're the uh, spin-off, spin-off they, of the Fox sisters. Yeah. Is the Davenport they, brothers. They, they could not. They discovered <laughs> they could not. <laughs> um, many uh, disapproved of uh, the Ghost Club. Uh, or um, I'm sorry. They, they, they disapproved um, considering their research heretical to religious beliefs. Uh, philosophical, uh, philosophical ideologies or scientific doctrines. So the there's actually a very little evidence of the Ghost Club, and that's they did that on purpose. They kept very little records, and this was because they, um, w- one were being kind of hunted by these people that were like, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're talking against God and all this other shit. You know, and so it was, too, it was also, so just so they could talk freely amongst, you know, each other at the ghost club <laughs> inside their ghost fort. Um, and they just, yeah, they just didn't, you know, didn't want to be ridiculed by their peers and stuff like that. So, yeah, they didn't write anything, everything down. Um, it was actually <laughs> uh, the author of this article, uh, which I'll say at the end, I think it's the end. Um, uh, they called it a spiritual anonymous. Which is which is definitely which is definitely true. That's awesome. <laughs> um, it was also secretive because, unfortunately, like a lot of secret societies, they didn't allow women. Which I think is hilarious because the Fox sisters fooled them all. <laughs> Thinking about it, you know. Now. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Sir William Crooks. Uh, claims to have tested the, or at the time he had claimed to have tested the existence of the psychic force. Hmm. Um, and this was a person that actually duped um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and he was a member of the of the group, the Ghost Club. Yeah, um, but like, I mean, like there was there was tons of members of the Ghost Club. Um, at, First rule of Ghost Club is you don't acknowledge that there is a Ghost Club. <laughs> right, God, dude. We do not man. acknowledge the Ghost Club. No, Second rule is we don't write anything down. <laughs> that's, Nothing. That, that's hilarious. Oh my God. <laughs> um. So. <laughs> Where was I? Sorry. Sorry. Uh, sorry no, about that. That's hilarious. This is why oh, I number hilarious. my pages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You're always on point. Yeah. Uh, um, a lot of the other reason that uh, the other reasons um, vary that the reason the Ghost Club was created most for Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, it was to have, you know, many high profile members of the intelligence society. He, he had dubbed it. Uh, but this also enabled travel around the world at the time because, you know, these people had access to that. Um, and these, they would, you know, conduct their private research into the occult and paranormal and all that stuff. And the one of the main reasons that uh, he was starting to get into spirit communication was um, because of it. his son passed away. And this was during World War One. And 
this uh it was just an injury he had you know but like you got you had said earlier like the when the war happened there was so many people that were left with you know no answers you know, and no, stuff. no answers no family you know family yeah. members or anything and yeah no 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 burial in yeah. that and that's uh weighed on a lot of people and i and i think that's i think that was one of the main reasons that um there was a there was a huge interest in spiritualism was Absolutely. because people just missed their loved ones yeah and Absolutely. they thought this is i can if i can communicate with them you know and some people really thought they could you know and i think a lot of people knew that people would pay would take advantage you of know that. for people that think they can yeah um which i'm sure yeah still happens today um there's both sides i believe yeah. so yeah he 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 did a reading with a a, a psychic and the the that he uh believed he was talking to his son so and this was during the sitting so he after that point he said he started seeing family members and he said that he could see them as plainly as he could see it in life mm -hmm. and so then he started writing more um you know his scientific spiritual papers which was kind of trying to tie spiritualism to a scientific method um, it was called the New Revelation, and then the Vital Message. Um, but this was a lot of a lot of his peers now are starting to um, think that he might be losing it uh, because a lot of people were finding out that he was being duped. Um, mm -hmm. Which it's like you want to believe. He wants to believe so bad, you know, and and it's, it's so unfortunate because he's such a smart guy you know yeah. and he does have you know intelligence but he's also famous so people are going to pa pander to that for yeah. sure um i didn't mention before or maybe i did but uh he he uh houdini was a member of the ghost club for a little while for, and, and then was like nah very, guys yeah for a very <laughs> small portion a uh, very small time and this was because yeah he didn't it's not that he didn't believe at the time, but there was, yeah, there was the fox, you know, I mean, there was people going out, you know, and he wanted to debunk that. And that was actually their, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, falling out was because he believed, uh, he believed Houdini was magic. And Houdini had tried to convince him that they were stage tricks and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wouldn't believe him. <laughs> Yeah, Aww, he was. That's really sad. It's super sad. Yeah, it's, it's. Wow. It, it, it it's, it's yeah. It's like it's that's when I mean then yeah. How could you not think that someone's going insane when you're like, dude, it's 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 a fake coin. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, it's a fake coin. <laughs> <laughs> there know? really is no money inside your ear. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like I said, he was, he was getting, uh, duped by a lot of different, uh, things. Um, one really, really unfortunate one was known as the Cottingley Fairies. <gasps> Two young girls. Oh, I in... know this story. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Well, no, go ahead. Story. Go ahead. <laughs> you sure? I'm, I'm gonna sip this bottle here. Can't cover your ears, earmuffs. No, I know um, what you're talking about. These... Two young girls in 1920, uh, basically the Photoshop masters of 1920. 
Mm-hmm. Um, had pictures of these fairies, and they are. There's actually pictures of them online. Um, let's all pretend like we're looking at them right now. No, they oh look my good. god! Wow. No, they do. They look good for. I mean, definitely for the, for time. the time. For the yeah. time, they look amazing. But now you'd be like, that's a drawing. <laughs> you yeah. know, like you'd be like, oh, I mean, I think they are pictures of, you know, like people pretending to but be But it's fairies. weird to like look back now at CGI from like the 90s. Remember being a kid being like, wow, that's amazing. That's true. And then you look at it now and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's very true. What was the name of them again? What's that? What was the name of the fairies again? Uh, the Cottingly Fairies. Like with a C or a K? A uh, C. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know where that came from. I know where uh, the what was it? Split boot, split, split foot. It's like a hoof, right? I thought that was just because they were that was the Mr. Cl- split, Mr. Splitfoot. That was probably just the name of the clicking that they were doing. Oh no! I, maybe yeah. No, they they said it, they said it was strictly was a thing for the devil. Yeah, it looks like like little almost looks like they placed like little cardboard dolls in front of themselves. <laughs> you know, like they're like you know they took a picture with like a bunch of dolls out in the woods and everyone was like, oh my god, those are real fairies. Yeah. Awesome. But when you have so, like yeah. a like a story to back it up, you know, and you're you've got other people convinced, and you're especially when your parents. Are like no 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 my daughters no fairies yeah you know they even made like like a little nest and stuff for them to show them where they lived yeah so they were pretty they went into it they did some uh some arts and farts and crafts here no that's yeah it, it was yeah so uh, yeah that was uh that was pretty much where uh sir arthur conan doyle stopped his um uh, not not his uh interest in spiritualism but his uh uh, I guess publishing of it uh, because he was getting so much because pretty much every person that he um, not not every person but there were several different mediums that came out as being debunked later on uh, Houdini debunked a couple of them but it was it wasn't like you know hard necessarily mm-hmm. but so he actually moved on and he played sports but I don't want to talk about that because <laughs> because uh, it was boring but no like yeah he he actually played several different sports like cricket and stuff like that mm-hmm. um like prof- professionally he was also a big advocate for justice he was a politician for a little while um but this after that he wanted to he didn't want to get back into you know the writing or anything but he kind of wanted to get back into that state of mind so he started to investigate closed cases um and uh, two of those closed cases actually led to two different men being exonerated from their crimes uh in 1906 a british indian lawyer allegedly uh penned threatening letters uh to this person and mutilated their animals Ugh. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was really messed up. But uh, it turns out that um, the, yeah, it, it wasn't he wasn't him because they found out later on. Actually, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle found out years later, or uh, sorry, one year later, that um, there was mutilations still happening around that area. So it, obviously, it wasn't this guy. Like 
But, I mean, it's 1906. They didn't seem like they it was, investigated it. <laughs> it was a chupacabra, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, who knows? UFO? Shit. Could have been anything. Uh, I've watched Ancient Aliens. It goes back to 1900. Chupacabra! <laughs> um, this, uh, so, yeah, they, they uh, freed uh, uh, Oscar Crates. I'm sorry, no, sorry. George Crates. Um, Oscar's coming up next. Um, and that was in 1907. And because he exonerated him, uh, this uh, this was actually cr- what created the Court of Criminal Appeal. It's basically when you get charged for something and someone's like, well, no, 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 wait, 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 we have evidence that states other, you know, like, yeah. which, yeah, is kind of a big deal. Uh, in 1908, Oscar Slater was accused of bludgeoning an old woman to death. Uh, they discovered later on it was definitely not Oscar. It doesn't say exactly why. Um, but he was adamant that he didn't do this. And he he did this for a few... It was about five years. And he paid for the costs of Oscar's appeal uh, because he was so for sure about it. And then they got his appeal in 1928. Um, so, yeah, they actually got him out of there. Wow. Nice. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that is uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and the Ghost Club. He was a weird dude. Shh. Weird Don't weird talk about dude. Ghost Club, dude. I know. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Gosh, shit. Um, so I'm going to talk about the history behind one of the most famous games in the world, the Ouija board. Uh, bum, I was bum, about bum. to be like, soccer? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> No one cares about soccer. Sorry, how do you spell fan. Ouija? Huh? How do you spell Ouija? O-U-I-J-A. And I'm going to get to what that means in a second here. All right, cool. So, let's get into it, okay? So, uh, one of the first mentions of automatic writing or spirit writing it dates all the way back to 1100 AD in China. Wow. Uh, in historical documents from the Song Dynasty, the method known as Fuji, spelled F-U-J-I, but Fuji, which translates to planchet writing, uh, was used until it was forbidden by the Qing Dynasty. What? Qing Dynasty. Ruining all of our fun, obviously. <laughs> uh, similar methods of spirit writing have been found in ancient India, Greece, Rome, and medieval Europe. So, if you don't know what a Ouija board is, then you probably live under a rock. But mm-hmm. <laughs> So, the board has all 26 letters uh, in two rows. Usually, uh, it says yes and no in the left and right-hand corner. Uh, and below, it says goodbye. So, similar boards have been used throughout history. Uh, also different methods of contacting the dead, uh, like table turning was another method where, uh, basically you have a table, uh, that is attached to a rod in the middle and the table kind of can tilt left or right. So you'll, you would do, you would say A, B, C, D, oh, it tilts. That means D. Or you'd ask yes or no questions. Um, to get your answer so okay um where am i at in my story so in 19 or in 1853 uh while investigating table turning which is what i just 
talked about. Uh, an alphabet spoken out loud with the table where, where the table would tilt at the appropriate letter. English scientist Michael Faraday uh, started to study it and he came up with uh, the reason that this whole effect happens, the scientific reasoning behind it, which is called idiomotor or the idiomotor response. The process whereby a thought or mental image brings about a seemingly reflective or automatic automatic muscular reaction, often of minuscule degree and potentially outside the awareness of the subject. Hmm. So someone presents a question, which presents an idea in your mind, which makes you have a minuscule tilt or lean, which leads to a bigger tilt or lean, which makes you start to manipulate uh, the item in front of you, mm-hmm. whether it's conscious or not to the subject. Uh, so that's in 1853. Uh, in 1862, Mary Todd Lincoln, who is wife to the president, Mr. Lincoln, she actually uh, conducts a seance in the White House after their 11-year-old son dies of a fever. So a real seance happened in the in the White House. Oh, I thought that was interesting. Trying to contact her. Oh wow. Yeah. So following. Did you say sixty two. Eighteen sixty two. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So following the Civil War, we talked about that and the Good Death, uh, where uh, many people died. Uh, so uh, mediums became a significant business, allowing survivors to contact their lost their lost relatives. Um, in 1890, businessman Elijah, Elijah Bond, a local attorney, along with Colonel Washington Bowie, which is an awesome name, uh, they start the Kennard Novelty Company. And their intention is to patent and mass produce the spirit board. So it's a spirit board with the planchet as well. So they're going to put the two together and patent it and mass produce it. Um, So they eventually end up naming the board the Ouija board. So this is how they they kind of came up with the name. Apparently, Elijah Bond's, well, there's a couple different reasons, but I'll get into them. Elijah Bond's sister or sister-in-law, Helen Peters, came up with the name using the board to talk to a woman whose picture she had in a locket, a popular women's right, rights activist named Weta, who Peters ad- admired. So to obtain the patent, they had to prove that the Ouija board actually worked. So Bond... Wait, what? What? They had to prove the Ouija well, board Well, if you're going to get a patent for something, you have to prove that it, it works. It's an actual thing. So they're getting a patent for the board the spirit board just the spirit so they board. can okay. mass produce it and have copyright wow. over it i didn't know you had to prove that your yeah your thing works yeah that's okay. so anyway right. so Sorry. so they have to prove that the spirit board works so to obtain the patent uh elijah bond brings his sister-in-law helen peters uh to the patent office in washington and the Patent officer basically says, uh, get the spirit board to say my name. I haven't told you my name yet. So 
get the spirit board to tell you my name. So they sit down at the spirit board and they put their hands on the planchette and letter for letter, it spells out the patent officer's name. This might be because of spirits. It might also be because Elijah Bond was formerly a patent attorney and uh, could have also already have known the guy's name. That's funny. Yeah. In 1901, uh, an employee of uh, the Kennard Novelty Company, William Fold, takes over the business. But he would later claim that he came up with the name Ouija. While he was using the board, the name was given to him, and it is an ancient Egyptian word for good luck. But he would later claim that it is actually a combination of the French and German words for yes. We and ja. We and ya. Ya. Interesting. O-U-I and J-A. Interesting. Yep. We. Ya. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Or as Americans say, Ouija. Yes. (laughs) Ouija. (laughs) Get the Ouija board. Get that Ouija board. (laughs) Say it correct, like. We're all from the Midwest. So, okay. (laughs) Through the 1910s and 20s, the board becomes increasingly popular. Uh, In 1916, Pearl Curran made headlines when she began writing poems and stories dictated to her via the Ouija board. She wrote six novels and 100,000 poems, uh, even though Pearl had no formal education. She Wait, how many poems? A hundred thousand. Holy shit, man! <laughs> what? Even I mean, though she had even 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 if you just wrote a hundred thousand words, yeah, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's a lot. She had no formal education, and she claimed that she uh, was channeling a seventeenth seventeenth century woman named Patience Worth. Okay. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Later on, she's not the only one to have done this. Uh, later on, Pulitzer Prize-winning author James Merrill in 1892 dictated a poem, VG the Wea Board, the Wea Board, Ouija Board. <laughs> Sorry. I, the Wea Board. Wea Board. Yeah. Uh, the poem was called The Changing Light at Sandover, and he actually won the National Critics Circle Award. Yeah. And fun fact, uh, a gentleman named Vincent Furnier got his name for his rock or his rock star name from a 17th century witch named Alice Cooper. Mm. Through, yeah, through channel, channeling a Ouija board. So yeah, Alice Cooper got his name apparently through talking to a 17th century witch on the Ouija board. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's where he got it. So you're saying that that's where he got. Yeah, he was, maybe, maybe I should. Alice Cooper was using Alice the word that the ghost he was talking to was Alice Cooper. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Oh, that's cool. Vincent Furnier. You don't know who that is? <laughs> that's, that's who Alice Cooper's real name is. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, so in 1920, Norman Rockwell depicted a man and a woman on their knees using a Ouija board on the cover of the Saturday Evening Post. Hmm. 
1920, in El Cerrito, California, seven men were arrested uh, running around the town naked because of a Ouija board. A uh, 15-year-old girl, three women, and three men were committed to an insane asylum. A police officer stripped naked ran through a local bank. It was considered a mass hysteria. A police officer did that? Yeah. Wow. So El Cerrito, California went like buck wild. Like what? multiple people were being naked in the streets. Yeah. And it was all due to them using a Ouija board? Yeah. They all blamed it on using They all blamed it on using a Ouija board. Yeah. Oh, Interesting. Man. Yeah. So was it like and this is what year? 1940s, you said? 1920. 1920s? Wow. In El Cerrito, California, which you might know from El Cerrito Auto Parts. Auto Square. Yeah, and it was like drugs and stuff, but but the cop, that'd be interesting for the cop to be doing drugs too. Yeah, it it was, so it was considered a mass hysteria, one of the, you know, I would say one of the first, but not one of the first, because Salem witch trials and all that. (laughs) Anyways. When you said about running around naked, I was like, oh, it's going to be like the Crucible. It It is like the Crucible, though. Uh, in 1922, three million boards are sold. Uh, so in 1927, will uh, what did I say? William Fold. He dies from a freak fall from a ladder at one of his new factories, but uh, but his family kind of continues to carry on the business. At least that's what I assume. Um, in. <laughs> I didn't, it was vague at that point. Uh, in 1944, a single department store in New York sells 50,000 boards. Wow. Yeah. In 1951, I Love Lucy features an episode where Lucy and Ethel use a Ouija board. Uh-huh. Interesting. So in 1953, uh, Benjamin Carpenter, who is a physician and psychologist, publishes a report for the Royal Institute of Great Britain examining automatic muscular movement uh, without consciousness. Um, And he believes that it is the effect of idiomotor actions. So he kind of starts to break down what's going on with these. Like, yeah, how this is working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is basically that, you know, if you're going to think A, then your mind goes to B. So if you're thinking of a name like, oh, I want to reach my loved one patricia you're gonna go straight towards well you're gonna start leaning towards the p and then the weight of your fingers will influence everybody else who's holding the planchet for their weight of their fingers to start to drift towards that letter you know so it's it's little minuscule movements that are seem unconscious Mm -hmm. uh at the point um so, uh, where was I? In 1966, Parker Brothers buys the game from the Fold Company, and in 1967, it outsells Monopoly. <laughs> Do not pass go. Yep. So, in 1974, The Exorcist features the board, which is... Captain Howdy. Huh? Captain sure. Howdy. And it's quite detrimental to the sales. The sales actually drop 
for one of the first times. Oh shit, because they're like, fuck. I'm not fucking <laughs> with a Ouija shit. board. Oh, how, we're going to get Captain the, Howdy. Scared of the Exorcist. Yeah. That's crazy. What was Captain Howdy? I forgot that part. That was uh, at the very beginning. She's playing with the Ouija yeah. board, and that's that. Captain Howdy is what she labels yeah. the ghost that's talking to her. Yeah. The oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, and I'll mention my references at the end. Uh, in 1994, uh, an English insurance broker, Stephen Young, was found guilty of murder of couple Nicola and Harry Fuller. Nicola shot, was shot three times. Harry was shot in the back. However, one month after the trial, the new, uh, the News of the World newspaper reported that jurors had consulted a Ouija board the night before giving the verdict while locked locked at Brightened, Brighton's old ship hotel. So, yeah, because jurors are usually locked in when it, in a hotel over a period of time. But these jurors were like, hey, let's play with this Ouija board and see if he's guilty or not. <laughs> um, and a small group sat in a circle while they communicated with what they claimed was Harry Fuller. Oh, my God. Yeah. One of the deceased couples. Uh, one of the jurors asked, who killed you? And the board said, Stephen Young done it. So, done it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this prompted a retrial because they had to have a retrial because this isn't like conclusive evidence, obviously. Uh, but unfortunately, Stephen Young was still found guilty. Damn. Yeah. Uh, in 2001... But he didn't it, done it. I don't get it. <laughs> right? Uh, he didn't done it. In 2001, in Minko, Oklahoma, 53-year-old Sewell... Uh, Sewell. <laughs> 53-year-old Sue uh, Ella Baker murdered her son-in-law after playing with a Ouija board. Uh, her son-in-law was the mayor of the city, Mayor Brian Roach. She sat down at the Ouija board with her daughter and two grandchildren to play with the Ouija board. At some point, she grabbed a knife and attacked her son-in-law. And although her daughter was able to uh, get the knife away from her, uh, for some reason, she drove her daughter and her two granddaughters uh, in a car, driving away from the murder scene up north, uh, northeast towards Tulsa where she crashed her car into a road sign, attempting to kill all of them. She broke both of her ankles, then tried to push her 15-year-old daughter into traffic. What the fuck? She ran from the scene, shed her clothes, jumped of the highway medium, and ran into the woods where she was eventually found. All with broken ankles? All with broken ankles. Wow. And that was in 2001. Wait, what? Yeah. That was in 2001? Yeah. So I'll have to, I'll that, check up on that story. That was, that's all I really have on the Ouija board over, you know, what it is. It, uh, so, like, it's so hard to explain because it's like, are people actually channeling loved ones or are they, uh, trying, are they getting out of it some, something else? You know, is it... Like using it as a scapegoat? Yeah, or do they believe that they, you know, because of the idiomotor, 
you know, oh, it went to pee, but like you don't realize that you were pushing it to pee, you know. You know what scares me the most is that it's called idiomotor, which is pretty pretty close to idiot motor. Yeah. So that kind of might might be worries me. <laughs> um. So I got most of my information from the Smithsonian, an article by Linda Rodriguez, uh, historian Robert Murch, who uh, spent a good portion of his life studying the spirit board and where they came from, and the Oklahoman an article by Bob Duchette. But yeah, it's very, I don't know, it's very, very interesting how the Ouija board works because um, I've played with the Ouija board many, many, many times. And I would say nine out of 10 times we got nothing. And so many times that I've played it, I've seen my friends fully believing it. You know, like, oh, isn't, oh, it said that. Oh, that's so weird. Oh, that's incredible. Or like, you know, most of the time people are very impatient with it. They're like, you know, what's this? What's that? Oh, what about this? What about that? And it's like, no, you need to ask one question and then wait for the answer, you know. Um, But, okay, little confession here. Pat and I uh, worked on a historical boat. in Long Beach, that is a hotel. <laughs> um, oh man, we're gonna get some shit for this. We're gonna get so much shit for this. <laughs> uh, we snuck into an area where we weren't supposed to be. Uh, one of the most haunted uh, second class pool um, <laughs> on the boat. And uh, it was my birthday, and we had a Ouija board, and we had gone through like many different areas. Uh, in on this haunted boat uh, and we didn't really get anything we were like kind of just like oh okay whatever you know playing around and uh, it was just me and him and uh, one other friend of ours and uh, as we were like going through like other people saw us with like the Ouija board because we were had to go through areas where you know it was a little more in the public and most of us were scare actors waiting, you know, for the Halloween event to start. So we end up going to the pool area. And by the time we got down to the pool area, there was like maybe like five people with us, you know, and they kept being like, this is a bad idea. Don't do this. But they would still f- follow us. <laughs> um, well, I'm not going. You know, what? I'm just here to make sure nothing bad happens. Um, so we're like down in the pool area and this is the only time that anything unexplainable happened to me with a Ouija board like I have a couple other like ghost stories and a few other things that happened to me while on this on the Queen Mary um so we're down in the area and whatever and I don't even remember what we asked the board we'd asked it a couple questions and at some point, the planchet pushed up on our hands, like, off the board. Like, it was, I don't know how to explain it, like. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't move horizontally. It went up vertically. And it, yeah. And we, were, and we were all kind of, there was like, I don't know, maybe three of us, like, you know. With on our hands on, our on, hands it, on it, yeah. But, like, it pushed our hands up. 
It wasn't like someone so like not, had pushed so down. I don't know how anybody could have done that. I yeah, right. it wasn't like someone pushed down in the corner that was weird. and like one side came up. It was like it evenly pushed up on our hands. And of course, like everyone's reaction was to like pull their hands back and oh, no, 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 no. Which was crazy because it, it was like if it had tilted over to the side, it would have been like, oh, you're pushing it too hard there. But everybody took their hands off the planchette. And that's when we were like, we're done. Yeah, that's We're absolutely up, yeah. done. <laughs> you know? Uh, that's crazy. Have yeah. you had any experiences with the Ouija board, Jameson? You know, I think everybody has a good story involving that. I I never owned one. I don't remember where we got one. Um, but uh, we were... Uh, the three, It was me, my brother, and my cousin. And we were, you know, probably like... No, I was no older than 12, I would guess. And, uh, we, we did it and we, we were there like, you know, we're kids, so we had nothing and we had nothing going on. So we, we spent a good two and a half, three hours on the board, just asking dumb things and mm-hmm. it would move around. But at one point we, we started talking with some, somebody or whatever you want to say. And, uh, he, you know, we started writing down all this information cause we kept asking all these questions and he would give us answers to it. And so we wrote down, you know, the date that he died and this and that. And, uh, basically like I tried to look it up back in the day when you could go to the library, and get like the microfilm and stuff, you oh, know? Shit. So yeah. I, I went and I looked up the date cause he said, I think he said that he had died in Connecticut. And, uh, so I went and I went to the newspaper and I looked up, you know, accidents around that time, you know, the way he, did. he said he was a race car driver and he got into a car accident. Like he was in a race car accident. And, uh, you know, I looked it up and I didn't see anything. So I was like, ah, it's probably bullshit, you know, but I mean, we, we talked, quote unquote, talked to that spirit for like two hours. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, you, you know, using Ouija boards, like, I, you know, you guys, let me ask you this, that happening to you when you, when you were on the Queen Mary and that thing lifting up and you experiencing that with your own hands and eyes, would you play with a Ouija board again? Oh, I have since. I have since. Yeah. Okay. A few times. Like, okay. I'm still very skeptical of it. Like, if I'm not in, like, a haunted spot, like, why would I get a spirit, you know? I was just going to say, my, my only my only reasoning for leaning on more of the it's bullshit, it's just a game kind of thing is that, it's like you said, it's owned by Parker Brothers. You know, it's mass produced yeah. in a factory made by some guy named Bill or whatever. Yeah. And... You know, so do I think that they're mass producing boards to talk to the other side of the uh, of of life and death mm-hmm. itself in a Toys R Us? No, I don't. I, I don't really necessarily believe that. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? <laughs> I just thought of like another thing that happened to me. And I just just remember this right now. Uh, I was at a sleepover in uh, high school. So it was like me and a bunch of my girlfriends and we were sleeping over at our friend's house who was a guy uh and everything and he was like yeah no he was like our buddy and whatever his mom was super cool and everything and she she was like super down with like him having like all female friends or whatever uh and we had a ouija board i like i think we made the ouija board with like a shot glass and like cardboard or something and i remember like the ouija board saying bad time for all at one point and at like in the middle of the night, uh, 
his mom came down into our room and she was screaming and crying and she's like, your cousin is dead. Your cousin is dead. And his cousin had died and I can't remember why. I want to say like a car accident or something. But I remember him making like a tribute video in our video class like later on. And I just remember that being like such a weird thing, you know, that we happened Mm -hmm. to be playing with the Ouija board at that time, you know. Yeah. A little premonition there, huh? Uh, yeah, oh, maybe. Or maybe a coincidence. Like, who knows, you know? But, like, what a weird thing. That's crazy. Uh, what about you, Patrick? Have you ever had anything uh, other, uh, than, other than the Queen Mary incident? My first experience with the Ouija board was uh, my brother Chris used to throw, like, huge keggers at my parents' house. And then he would pay us in beer to clean it up afterwards. You know, it was- <laughs> I think I was like 14. Anyway, but <laughs> when he would, like one time he was, uh, they were all doing the Ouija board downstairs in my brother's room. And I remember hanging out with him, you know, whatever. And they were like, you know, like asking it questions and shit, you know. And in his room, like you could hear if people were coming down the stairs, like you would hear like, right. And it would, you know, then five seconds later, the door would open. Um, so like we heard, you know, but it was a party. So there was like fucking, there had to have been like 50 people there at least, you know? So we heard, you know, the people, someone coming down the stairs. And so, uh, my brother's friend, uh, maybe Josh, maybe I can't remember who it was, but he, you know, they are like, Oh, who, who's coming down the stairs, you know, like, cause they're all drunk. I'm sure they didn't sound like Spicoli, but uh exactly they were close though uh sorry chris um but uh they're like oh who's coming down the stairs right now who's coming into the room and it was like t l t l and it kept going back to t l and then tommy Lorimer, uh my other brother's friend walks through the door and he's like what the fuck you guys doing you know (laughs) like that was my that was my first experience but that was a bunch of drunk teenagers, so who knows? I did. Exactly I mean, I did read something on. when I was looking up this about like idiomotor that when people were asked yes or no questions, uh, most of the time they would answer correctly, and whether it was like intuition, you know, or or what, you know, when when they asked the board, the board would answer the yes or no question correctly more often than not. So whether we're like, you know, I don't know, what is it? Like we're connecting into another part of our psyche where we do have like this psychic thought, you know, or are we talking to spirits or are we just relaxed and using a part of our brain where we're not questioning things or so much, you know, like what is it? But you know, it was part of the study that, like, people would answer these yes or no questions correctly more more often than not when they were using the table tilting. Um, it, yeah, in that 1853 research that they were doing. So, okay. it is weird. It is definitely weird. Um, we'll have to get together. We'll have to play with my Ouija board at some point. Oh, yeah. the My, my other... Uh, um... The other time I, it wasn't a Ouija board. We hit, my roommate Ernest was very much against the Ouija board at the time. Oh, he had the psychic he circle. The psych, yeah, the psychic circle. Yes. Um, <laughs> Not the ghost club. Uh, it was the psychic circle. The no, the, it, it was yeah. like it was like a Ouija board, but it was like called the psychic circle. It's like, basically oh, a Ouija board. Version of the Ouija board, you mean? It's a round re- Ouija board. 
<laughs> is that a Ouija board? It's round, okay? Yeah, it's like it's supposed to be like a more respectful way of approaching the spiritual realm. You're insulting yeah. me with this rectangle. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, and no, it's like supposed to be like you know you're supposed to like you know ask for you know the elements for you know like uh, protection and stuff like that. Um, but th- when we had that, we would, you know, ask it things and, you know, shit, shit happened or didn't happen or whatever. But one time his, uh, girlfriend Amanda was visiting us and she was just like staying at the apartment. Like, while well, I think we went to go get groceries or something. Um, and we came back and Amanda was playing with the psychic circle by herself and it was moving. Like, when we walked in, but it was like, was Amanda moving it? And then she talked about it like it was no big deal. She was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's this girl. Her name's Amanda, too. She lives here. And it was like this whole, like, it was a weird it was a weird thing for us, you know? But also, I remember Ernest not being happy about it. Like, don't ever do this by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, I, we don't know what this is. Uh, but that, yeah, that was my only other real, it, like experience that i could say that i kind of witnessed firsthand i guess uh-huh. um but it but i'm kind of on the sense too yeah it's a it, they're literally printing money like <laughs> it's a cardboard yeah but <laughs> it's like piece, so they but are, but but also like you know it's but when you're on the other side do you have the choice of how do you, how well, to communicate I with think, people i think it's like you can like you did like i think you can create your own ouija board you know i yeah. think it's like a, a well it's like a religion you know ouija you have boards be have church. been created obviously since 1100 AD That's true, true, and yeah. before you know uh there's all you know with the the crystal on the chain and mm-hmm. there's there's all these different versions of it so you know like on one hand yeah it might be you know basically predictive text you know from us but on the other hand it's like who knows like there's like we don't really know everything about the other side you know and who's communicating with us so you know i'm gonna say that it's about 50 50 you know 50 percent unknown maybe it is a spirit and 50 percent bs you know sure that's what i would that's the title of this uh (laughs) podcast 50 percent bs 50 (laughs) percent who knows 50 percent bs um but i don't want to be disrespectful to people who like definitely believe it because i can't dictate what another human being's experience would be you know like i don't know you were never tempted to run around town naked no okay but also like at the same time like i don't know what it's like to have a psychic mind i don't know what it's like to have a portion of my brain accessed you know that maybe someone else can access so Mm -hmm. you know or is it bullshit you know who knows indeed anyways there you go there lies the question right yep (laughs) nice sweet all right so, yeah, yeah. yeah, this has been, how do you say it? This has been Hollywood's Haunted. Follow us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podcastia, <laughs> or wherever you find uh, your podcast. We're on them all, almost. Spotify.
Spotify. Your yeah. Hollywood yeah. Talks. Yeah. Hollywood 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 Talks. Yeah.